All right, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to continue on in our study of um, this book and talk about the reality of what we believe as believers in Jesus Christ. And, and actually, as we're getting into this, this is not just talking about what we believe. For some of you, this might be very new, especially today when we talk about the relationship that we have with him through the Spirit. And I think it's interesting because, you know, we just spent chapter 7 talking about the internal struggle that we have. We talked about the reality that we do things that we don't want to do. The good things that we want to do, we don't do. And and with that, we, we are defeated. But there's no, he starts out with chapter 8 saying there's no condemnation for us. Grasp that for a moment. You do wrong things, right? Yeah. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. You're not condemned before him because someone has already paid the penalty for your sin. Who was that? Christ, right? And so by faith, you have been forgiven. You have been set free. You have been justified. And so now you are told to live by, not by the law, because you can't keep it, but by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Not by your flesh, because your flesh is always going to want to do things that are wrong, but again, by the Spirit. And so now, today, he's, he's going to talk, flesh that out even more to us about what it means to be led by the Spirit and why that is so important because the reality is, is that when you came to Christ, something changed. And it isn't just the reality of you being forgiven and you having a new standing with God. Well, I guess in a way it is about a new standing. You became God's child. He adopted you. You entered into his family. Now, when I bring that concept of family up, Here's the reality. You're going to immediately think in your mind about what family is based upon your experience. That's natural. You're going to think about family in terms of the family you grew up in. What kind of a parent was your parent? What kind of a dad you had? Because we talk about the heavenly father. A lot of times our concepts of father are based upon what kind of father we had. But what I want to show you is, is that it's something completely different than what you think. You have been adopted by him. You are now his child. And with that, you're going to see that you have some obligations. And that relationship with him is so different and so new. So let's look at this together. It's just a few verses today. We're going to look at verses 12 through 17 in Romans chapter 8. Here's what he writes. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, so what's he talking about here? Well, he starts off first talking about that we are debtors. What does that mean? Well, another way of translating it would be obligated. We are obligated. We, we have an obligation. And so that's what I want to focus on, first of all. A couple of things about your obligation. All right, so first thing I want you to notice is, see it in verse 12, we are debtors not to flesh, to live according to, to the flesh. What's he talking about? Your obligation isn't to your flesh. You're not beholden to what your body wants. Did you understand what I'm saying? And again, you're driven by your body. You're driven by what your flesh wants. And you and I know that. Basic things like food that's driven by your body or, or other things, even, even, even like listening to things. That'll drive you. Your body has great influence over on you. You need to recognize that. Now the question is, are you obliged to do what your body wants you to do? Are you a debtor to your body? You're not. You're not a debtor to your flesh. You are a debtor now. You, you have an obligation to who? To God. Because isn't he the one who saved you? Isn't he the one who set you free from all of that? Who broke the power of sin? Who gave you a new standing with God? You have an obligation to him. In fact, your obligation, here's the second point, your obligation is to the spirit which puts to death the deeds of the flesh. Okay, so think about it for a moment. I've already told you, we've, especially when we were looking at chapter 7, the good that I want to do, I don't want to do. That thing which I want to do, I can't do. So I'm, I'm living by the flesh. I, I, I'm, I'm doing the stuff that I want, don't want to do, and I want to stop doing that. Isn't that true? We want to stop doing the stuff that we know is wrong. I can't find a person yet who says, no, I just want to keep on doing wrong stuff. I want to stop having bad attitudes. I want to stop treating people the wrong way. I want to stop. I want to stop. I want to stop. Okay, so those are the deeds of the flesh. But here's the thing. If you're obligated to the flesh, you're just going to keep doing those things. But how can you stop that? You live by who? The Spirit. And when you live by the Spirit, that is, you're following the direction of the Spirit in your life, you put to death the deeds of the flesh. So how do you change? Because you can't change yourself, right? Remember, we've already expressed that in chapter 7, the good that I want to do, I don't do, that which I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? Isn't that what Paul says? We can relate. So how do I do this? I live my life led by who? The Spirit. And that puts to death what? The deeds of the flesh. Because if you're living your life led by the Spirit, 
You're going to do what the Spirit wants you to do, not what your flesh wants you to do, right? Well, can I be sure that I'm going to be led by the Spirit? Yes, you can be sure because we've already seen that the moment that you gave your heart to Christ, the moment that you became a believer in Jesus Christ, who entered into your life? The Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. He is your seal for the day of redemption, your guarantee. He's with you. He's not leaving you. So your obligation is to be led by the Spirit. And you'll be able to overcome. Now, will it come easy? No. Will it take a lifetime? Yes. Because that's what sanctification is. But the key thing is that you be led by who? The Spirit in your life. And slowly, and oftentimes it is slowly, there will be new attitudes that are developed, new ways of looking at things, new behaviors are developed, character is developed. Because what? You're obligated to live by the Spirit rather than by what? The flesh. And so what he's going to tell us then when we get to 14 and through 17, which is the last part of the portion that we're looking at today, what helps us to live that obligation is understanding the new standing that we have. Your new standing, our new standing. So what does it mean? So first of all, look with me at verse 14. He's just going to bring it all out one by one here. It's verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. You can also say daughters of God, okay? All who are led by the Spirit are what? The sons or daughters of God. All who are led by the Spirit. So here's what I'm saying. Being led by the Spirit reflects that you are a child of God. Here's the, listen to me. You want to know that you belong to Jesus? Sometimes when you're younger in Christ, one of the biggest struggles I've noticed with new believers is, is they always struggle with their assurance of salvation. They question whether or not they're truly saved. Why is it that younger believers always struggle with the reality of their faith and their trust in Jesus? Why is it that they always do that? What's going on in their lives that would cause them to think that Jesus hasn't saved them, that they're not saved? Anybody got an idea? One word. Sin. How can he forgive me? I just did this. How can he, how can he still love me? I keep doing the wrong thing. Isn't that the same struggle we're seeing in chapter seven? The good that I want to do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Typically, when you see people struggling with the reality of the salvation in their life, it's because they're wrestling with God about their sin. But here's what I'm going to tell you. The fact that they're wrestling about their sin is a sign that who is in their life? The Spirit. And being led by the Spirit is a sign that you belong to who? God, right? God, because the Spirit, when He's in your life, is He just going to let you do whatever you're doing? No, He's going to convict you about your sin. He's going to say to you, stop. Stop doing that. 
go in a different direction, do this. That's what it is to be a new person. A new standing, a new reality. You belong to God. So the Spirit's going to work in your life. Here's the second thing I want you to see. And this is very important because I find so many Christians who struggle with this. Look at verse 15. Look at what he says here. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. All right, so you did not receive the spirit of slavery that you fall back into fear. What's he talking about there, George? Well, well, let me give you the point, and I'll explain it to you. The relationship is not marked by a slavery to fear. Fear of who? Fear of God. Let's go back to the new believer who, who struggles with whether or not they truly know Jesus because they're sinning. What is it that's going on in their mind that they think that they don't belong to God? Well, because they're afraid. They're afraid because of their sin that God somehow has what? Changed his attitude towards them. Changed how he's going to be with them. Isn't that how a lot of Christians live today? We're, we're so afraid, so we do the wrong thing. And so we're driving on the bypass, headed to Walmart, and our, our car stalls out, or we get a flat tire, and the first thing we think is, what did I do, God? Why do I, wh I, what did I do to deserve this? What is that? Fear. Fearing God. Because we're in slavery. Slavery to what, George? Wrong concepts of who he is. Wrong understanding of who we are in Christ. Wrong understanding of the relationship that we have with him. You are a new person led by the Spirit. And if you are a son. And so you don't, you haven't been given a spirit of, that leads to slavery of fear. Do you understand? You've actually been given something else. What is it? Well, here, notice the last part again, verse 14. He expresses it here. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Here's what I want you to see, is that rather this relationship through the Spirit is marked by intimacy. He hasn't given you a new, the spirit of fear. He's given you this spirit that is marked by inf intimacy. He says this somewhere else. It was, I should have shared this with you in the last point. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Okay, listen to me. Should you feel bad about sin in your life? I can't hear you. Yeah. Should you be afraid? No. You should have a fear, but not be afraid in the sense of, a fear in a sense of, yes, you're going to face the consequences of it. Yes, there is 
the reality that when you do wrong, you bear the consequences of that. But does that change your relationship with God? No. Does he all of a sudden decide, okay, that's it, I'm done. They've, you know, I've, I've been patient with them. I've kept, you know, I've said 10 times, they're up to number 11. I'm writing them off. Does God write you off if you're his child? No. He's not given us a spirit of fear. You, you shouldn't be marked by ever thinking that he's changed. He loves you. Man, that is the testimony of Scripture. Psalm 37. There's a reason why I love that verse. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in them. God delights in your life. Though he yet stumble, he will not be utterly cast down for the what? The Lord upholds him with his hand. Do you not think that God knows you're going to mess up? Do you not think he's always known that? But yet he still loves you. So here it is. It's a relationship through the Spirit marked by intimacy. What do you mean by intimacy? Well, it's interesting, he says, because notice what he says, the Spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Basically, Father, Father. First word is, is Aramaic, meaning Father. Second word, again, he's using the Greek word there, Father. The reality is, is we can express to him, he's our Father, There is intimacy there, not fear. Man, you guys got to quit living by fear and thinking in terms of your relationship with God. You need to start thinking in terms of what? Intimacy. Closeness. Being able to go to him and expressing the things that are on your hearts and minds. I mean, think about that. I mean, so, okay, so if you go over to Hebrews, I'm just going to diverge from my point message here for a moment and just kind of reiterate that point of intimacy. Here, here's what he says in Hebrews. Hebrews. Fourth chapter. Verse 14, he says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Okay, so stop for a moment. You know who understands you? Jesus. He understands your weaknesses. Okay, let's go on here. But one who was in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So he understands exactly what you're going through. He understands why you're making the decisions that you're making. He just didn't make those. He understands. But then here's what it says. This is the reality of the intimacy that you have with him. You are his son. Don't live by fear. Look at what he says. This is what some of you are so afraid to go talk to God. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He understands you. Go to him. Cry out to him, Father. I'm hurting. I don't understand. I'm struggling. I need your help in this area. Would you be graceful to me? Don't live in fear. 
That's the reality of who you are, the new standing. You're his child. You're his child. So here's the other thing, verse 16. Look at what it says in verse 16. If we go back to chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Here's what I want you to see. The Spirit affirms your relationship with God. He's the one who's speaking to you and saying to you, are you okay? I'm here. I haven't forsaken you. He affirms that you belong to him. Even when you've done wrong, he affirms that you belong to him. You say, I'm not sure if I ever sensed that. Take a moment. Don't be driven by fear, because fear sometimes pushes out the reality of what God is trying to speak to you right now about. That's why, can I be honest with you, like when you're going through it and you're like, oh God, where are you? What, what's going on in my life? Are you there? Do you care? Why do you think he says to you, be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Quit being afraid of the one who loves you. He affirms. He gives you peace. The sense of his presence. As he speaks to you. As he speaks to you. So he affirms that relationship. Here's what I want you to see. The, the reality is, what is that relationship reflected in? Look with me at verse 17 now. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. That relationship is reflected in the reality that we are heirs with Christ. You're his children. So what's, what is it about being his child? It's not just that you have God for you now, but you have something for the future you have the promises that he gave. We all share in them. We are his heirs. We, we have something better that's coming. So just hold on. We're his heirs. Yes, life stinks right now. And believe me, it is, right? You think stuff can go wrong and then something else happens. Like what more could happen? Boom, it happens. Why did that happen? It didn't happen because of you. Well, maybe, but... It's because it's life. Life's tough. But there's something better. And that's the promise you hold on to. That's our hope. That's why, can I be honest with you, the imagery in Scripture is so amazing. It can, can, continues to communicate to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. And they overcame. What is that? Endure, persevere. It's all about what? Hanging on to the end. Hanging on to your faith. Hanging on to Christ even when your faith doesn't seem strong enough. Because we're heirs. The relationship is reflected 
and that we are heirs with Christ. But here, then there's this last point that I think that's the one we struggle with. Look at what he says, last part of verse 17. He says, Provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Oh, that's that word. Suffer. You like that word? No. What are you, what are you messed up, George? None of us like that word. Don't we do everything we can to avoid suffering? Better believe it. Wouldn't be a human being if you weren't. But here's what it says. But as his children, you are also going to what? Suffer. Hardship is going to happen. So that what? He is glorified. So as God's children, we will share in suffering at this present time. Now, why do you think he told us that? Because he wants you to not live with thinking that you have this bondage to fear, wrong concept of God. Why? Because what usually causes us to have wrong concepts of God? The suffering we're going through in our life right now, the hardship, the stuff that's going on. That's usually why we usually think that something has changed in our relationship with him. But what he's wanting you to understand is, no, no, nothing's changed. You have an intimacy with him. You belong to him. But because you belong to him, you will also what with him? Suffer. So that he is glorified in your life. You're going to go through the things that you're going to go through. Listen, if somebody says to you that if you come to faith, then everything's going to be rosy and sweet and wonderful in this life. Walk away from them. Because it isn't. And by the way, it isn't for them either. If you know Jesus, what did he tell you in every book of the New Testament? If you know me and follow me, you will what? Suffer. Sometimes because of him, sometimes because it's life. Sometimes it's because of you. But again, just so you're aware, does it have anything to do with your standing with him? Does that change who you are with him? No. It's because you are his child that you what? Suffer. So realize that. Don't start having a negative viewpoint. Oh, God, where are you? Have you abandoned me? I'm sorry. Is this why it's happening to me? No. He loves you. He died for you. You belong to him. So be led by the Spirit rather than a bondage of fear. Do you understand? Be led by the Spirit. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to pause for a moment, whether it's right now. I would actually encourage you to pause for a moment later on when you're by yourself. Turn the TV off. Turn off your iPad or whatever tablet you have, put your phone down, turn the radio off if you're in a car, if that's where you want to do it. I want you to think for a moment and think about you and God and your relationship with him. And I want you to think for a moment, what is it that's going on there? 
Because I, I'll be honest with you, I interact with you, I talk with you, we might have coffee, we might do whatever. I, I can't read what's going on with you and God. Do you understand? It's not like he's sitting there saying, hey, hey George, this is what's going on with him. I, I, I don't know that. But you do. You know the doubts. You know the fears. You know the concerns. You know the hurts. You know where your relationship is with him. So I, I want to ask you to think about that. Why? Because if there's fear there concerning you about him, you need to call it out. You need to recognize it for what it is and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe there is an issue in my life that needs to be dealt with, but I don't need to be afraid because if there's somebody who's going to help you with the issue, who's going to put to death the deeds of the flesh, what do we just read? It's the Spirit who puts to death the deeds of the flesh, right? So you say, okay, God, help me to correct my thinking. I want to stop this. I, want to, I don't want to be defeated. I want to live with you. I want to be led by your spirit. So help me to recognize the intimacy that I have with you. Help me to call you father. And live in that intimacy. And be led by your spirit to become the person that you want me to be. That's what I want you to do. Because to be honest with you, you're the one that has to make the decision. Nobody else can do that for you. The relationship is there. Boom, it's there. What are you going to do with it? Something to think about. Let me pray for you.